count your blessings. Uh, that's going to be the focus tonight. And th this may seem very basic, you know, come on, come on, Rick, are you kidding me? You know, everybody knows in this building, especially how to count their blessings. But um, I think that this is a very, like Brian talked about this morning, it's sort of getting back to the basics. It's the blocking and tackling, uh, so to speak. And um, I think it's, a, it's an important basic spiritual discipline personally that I think is extremely important to carry with you under any circumstances. So our brother Ralph has been, uh, I don't know if you've had the benefit of hearing him say this on more than one occasion recently that, um, you know, I don't want necessarily for you to look at me as chicken little, but... I'm convinced that we're headed for some times that aren't going to be so easy. Um, and that could be true. Uh, Ralph will be the first to concede that I don't have a crystal ball, but I just know how these things go, and there are good times and there are bad times. And it's just like Jesus says about his return. It, you know, you don't know when it's going to come, so why, why not be prepared? And so... Um, Given that troubling times can come without warning, I, I do think we need to be prepared. And if I'm unable to count my blessings when times are basically pretty good, then how am I going to be able to count my blessings when things aren't so good? And so I believe that um, things are overall pretty good right now. Sure, we have our troubles and we have our problems, but... Um, I wanted to, to focus on this uh, before maybe that time that, it, that it's not so good. So um, this is a thought um, that some anonymous person shared that I thought was, was really good. No matter how you feel, if you count your blessings, you'll always show a profit. I thought that was a very wise statement. Not biblical, I don't believe, but uh, certainly a good sound so I want to take, carry that further, and I want to start basically as the basis. And uh, I think a lot of folks are familiar with the parable of the vineyard workers. That's about the best description of the parable itself. And um, we're not going to read the, the, the scripture, but it's in Matthew chapter 20. If you want to take a look, uh, first 16 verses. But basically what we find is a story of a landowner that comes in to the city, to the marketplace, if you will, and he comes in at five different times throughout the day to hire workers, to go out and work in his, in his vineyards. He comes in early in the morning, presumably around 6 a.m., and then back at 9 a.m., and at noon, and at 3, and then at 5 and it seems that quitting time's about six o'clock. And he has his, high, his uh, foreman, so to speak, gather all these workers around after the day has ended. And he is going to pay them their day's wage. And so he has them start with the people that had showed up last. So those folks that he hired at five o'clock were the first to receive their pay. And he paid them a day's wage, a denarius. And he works his way backwards all the way to the people that had been hired first thing in the morning. And they see that they're not getting any more 
than what the people that had worked just one hour. And they're upset. They're, they're unhappy with this arrangement and don't understand why it is that they're getting the same amount as the folks before. Uh, the, the ones that didn't work for very long throughout the day, they're just, they're not happy. They were more focused on their view of fairness than what it was that they were given. And, and we tore this parable down a, a few months ago. I, I was chatting with Aaron yesterday at our, at our uh, potluck that we had, and, and uh, Aaron was the one that actually led the thinking on this very parable. And I'd submit to you that I, I, I think we missed one thing, one angle that we might have missed in this. But I have... Uh, I have this in front of you, and I want you to see some of the things that are obvious. Number one, the landowner promised everyone the same thing. The other thing is that the landowner gave everyone the same thing. But I think the angle that we miss, we're tearing this down. We're saying, you know, now, what are these guys doing in the middle of the day, not working and just hanging out? in the marketplace and what would be the justification for that? And maybe it's because no one even asked them. And, and so this landowner came in and asked them, invited them to come to work. But we, we looked at a lot of different angles. But the one thing that occurred to me later that I think we missed is that the landowner gave every single one of them what they needed. And so let's stop looking at it in the theoretical, Jesus says this is like the kingdom of heaven, but what he's really talking about is the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about landowner going out and hiring people to go out into the vineyards. This is not a literal thing. This is about the kingdom of heaven. And what was it? We missed this. We missed this. The landowner gave them what they needed. And what did they need? What did they need? They needed salvation. It's as simple as that. The one thing that they needed. And what have we been given? Salvation. It's as simple as that. I can be so consumed with what I don't have or something that's not going my way, that I can be completely ungrateful for what I do have. It's a very simple and basic principle. And we miss the blessings too many times because we're focusing on things that aren't going our way. And maybe worse, we punish the giver of good because it's not enough for us. It's not what I wanted or it's not displayed to me exactly like I expected it to be. And so I treat you like dirt in the process. What a, what a disappointment. We have what we need. We have salvation. And if we can really embrace that, then everything else that we're given here in this life is just a bonus. 
It's icing on the cake. The psalm says a lot here. It praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases and who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is our new life. This is what we've been given. God will give us exactly what he promised. And even if this doesn't match exactly with how our life's going today, I can assure you that it will at some point. If we were able to remain faithful and to count the blessings. Jesus taught us in this parable that we're going to get exactly what was promised and exactly what we need. So, my wife and I took a trip here a few weeks back, and um, my wife's a, a fantastic vacation planner. She's a, she's a wonderful trip planner, and um, I can hide behind that if I'm too lazy to get involved in the process, but... She's, she's really good at it. So she came to me and we talked about let, where, we, where do we want to go and uh, what should we do. And I don't know whose idea it was for sure. It doesn't really matter. But we agreed that Maine is where we want to go. And she, uh, she said, well, you know, inviting me to participate in this process. Do you, where do you want to stay? What do you want to do? I said, I don't care. You you just do all of it. I don't care. You are good at this, and I'm always happy. The one thing I care about, and the only thing I care about, is I'm going to eat lobster for dinner every night. And I'm serious. That's what I wanted to do. That's why we chose to go to Maine. Because it's relatively inexpensive compared to here. And so, uh, for the price of a steak... Here, I could have two pretty good-sized lobsters out there. And so that's all I cared about. And so we, we get there, and we stay on this island off the coast. We get on a ferry, and we go out to this island to stay at this really cool place. It's an old military base that's been converted into a resort-type situation. It was just magical. It was absolutely amazing. And we go down for dinner, and man, I can't wait. And I open up the menu, and there is no lobster. <laughs> Nothing. And it was a very small menu. And to add insult to injury, there wasn't any Diet Pepsi there either. <laughs> they didn't even have Diet Coke. It's like, what kind of dump is this? And the problem was, this was a small island. There's only about 60 residents that live here year-round, if they even stay when it's really cold. And there was one other restaurant on the island that wasn't part of the hotel, and they're closed for the season. 
Uh, I, it's like, well, bub, big boy, there's no lobster. You got some chicken and pizza. It's, it's just really, what a letdown. Uh, the horror. The absolute horror. These are first world problems. But what would be the wrong thing to do in this situation? For me to make my wife feel miserable about the fact that what is the one thing I said I wanted out of this trip? Would it be appropriate for me to lay that on her and make her already feel worse than she already did? Of course not. But these are the situations we get into all the time and we don't think. We just let it go. And I was disappointed. But then I quickly, and I don't want to make this about myself because I am not pure. I'm as human as everybody in this building. Everybody tuned in tonight on Zoom. But I, I just chose to look at what was right about this whole situation. And it was fantastic. Talk about solitude and quiet and just really being in a place where for two days we could just completely shut down. And it was, and it was amazing. I didn't sit there and say, you didn't listen to me. You didn't do what I wanted. I didn't get my way. I didn't throw a temper tantrum. I just kept my mouth shut. Partly because I sleep next to her. But it's not the right thing to do. Count your blessings. Lobster schmobster. It all worked out. <clears throat> as soon as we got off the island, we went to our rental car. Oops. Went to the rental car and then went to find a place where I knew I could get my lobster. And I ate lobster the rest for the two days we were there. Um, it all worked out. Um, Aaron, this is, uh, this is where I was telling you, I, I, I wanted to try to have this fancy effect for this slide. I, Ryan, if he was here doing this lesson, would be able to accomplish what I had hoped to, but, but, but this can all be, we're all over the place, right? I, I want a good job and I get a job and it's, I hate this job. This job stinks. I don't like it. It's not going the way I want. We want a good salary and I get paid a good wage and suddenly it's not enough. And Bob, you know, Bob's getting more than I get. You know, the people that showed up one hour before quitting time got paid the same as me. This isn't fair. I hate this. You know, Michael's got such a great voice and he's got so much talent and he can sing all these four parts and he just puts it together beautifully and what do I have? I can't do anything. You know, these kids, we pray for these children and we want the Lord to bless us with them and all we do is complain about how much work they are. And I don't get any me time. And I just can't handle it anymore. And they're so expensive. And they talk back. 
you know, these are real. We want friendships. We want people to be companions. And then we turn around and talk about them behind their back. Well, Sarah Joe's such a gossip. All the while, that's what I'm doing. Our leaders, sometimes they are open to criticism, but you know, we, 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 we vote for these people and expect something more than we can get out of them. And, and then it's just, they're not, they're not, these people are not good leaders, they're crooks. And why did I ever want this upon ourselves? The elders, you know, I thought this guy would be a good guy, but he's not, he's not listening to me. He's not doing what I want. He's not delivering the things and the experience that I want. So we, I, you know, we just got to get rid of this. Our workload is just too much. All these things. I mean, we're just all over the place. I can look at the best of things and just make the worst out of them. It's like I'm digging this hole and I'm digging and I'm digging out of my anger and frustration. And somehow I think by digging and digging, I'm going to justify or come to some conclusion or make things better. And the reality is we're just digging and focusing on ourselves and what it is that we're not getting or what's not going our way. We're just digging and digging and digging. We dig till we can't get out. And we try, to, we try to recruit people to support our righteous indignation. You know, if we're not careful, like digging a hole and you're refusing to look at the light. And if we're not careful, you know, that hole, that light just gets smaller, 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 and smaller until we can't see the light anymore. And then there's a real problem. What I've offered along... Uh, you know, I, I learned a long time ago, and what I've offered people is at this point, you're digging deeper into a hole. And if you can't get out of this mess and you can't see the light, the first thing you have to do is drop the shovel. Just stop. Stop digging the hole. Laid down whatever it is and just rest. A while back, um, I was thinking about it and I put the math to it about 13 years ago at this point. Um, wasn't a particularly great time in our lives. There were some significant challenges and everything, but we had a roof over our head, roof over our head. We had meals, we had jobs, or at least one of us did. But um, 
uh, and that was her. <laughs> um, there were some troubling times, and I, I don't remember what it was. I don't know that it had anything to do necessarily with that particular situation, but I was really upset. And I was expressing my uh, upsetness. I was, and it was a significant issue. But here's the thing. My 16-year-old son says, Dad, nothing matters. Some people don't have food to eat. Chill out. And I was embarrassed that I had to learn that from my 16-year-old son in that moment. And he was right. And he helped me kind of realize that I was just so much into myself that I wasn't paying attention to the things that were good and the things that were right. And, and uh, I really appreciated that, that sobering reminder. Um, some people are in the midst of war. Some people are being persecuted right now. Some people are imprisoned unjustly. I remember watching the news last week. Maybe some of you remember this story. There was a nine-year-old girl. They were on a camping trip with her family. She gets on her bike and just rides, it sounds like, just maybe a few hundred yards away, and she disappears. And I just remember when they uh, were talking about her being gone, I just felt terrible for her family. And I actually did stop and said a prayer. And I said, Lord, you know, I would not want to be the family of that nine-year-old. Please, God, bring this to a happy conclusion. And thankfully, they did find her. And thankfully, the person responsible was taken into custody and will be brought to justice. Imagine that. Imagine the family of the girl that didn't come home. We have chronically ill people in our midst. There are so many things that people don't have. It just diminishes our concerns over the things that we don't have. Interesting when you know, it, it's pretty easy to bash on the Israelites. And we look at the story in Exodus, and just look how fickle and fragile we are as human beings. Here's Israel immediately after they've crossed the Red Sea. And what do they say here? They, they basically pledge their allegiance. Now, all, all that they've seen, all the miracles, all the plagues, everything that's happened, and they just saw the Red Sea open up, they crossed, and then the Egyptian army, or at least the ones on chariots, maybe the cavalry, uh, they're wiped out. And they immediately, at that point, pledged their allegiance to God and to Moses, basically. And just a few days later, we begin the grumbling. After all that they've seen, and I would... Admit that, or I would submit to you that maybe some of the most outlandish and amazing miracles that God's ever performed for human beings, they were witness to, and here they are just a few days later, complaining. 
and saying different things like, we were better off in Egypt. And I wish I was never born. And we'd be better off dead. It's just the beginning of the backsliding and the, grime, and the grumbling with this group of people. It goes on for 40 more years. Parable to sower. Jesus teaches about the different soils. And what he talks about is these, these thorns, you know, the seeds tossed in among the thorns and it starts to grow. But what happens? The thorns choke the joy out of life. And we fall away or, or we become bitter and just not a good person to be around. It's interesting to look at the right perspective. Paul taught us about contentment. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Verses 11 through 13, it says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in want, whether living... I can't read that, guys. In plenty or in want, sorry. Um, Paul taught us about contentment. And what did he say? What was the secret? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all this. I can have plenty. I can have little. I can do all this. We have a friend in Jesus. Someone we can lean on. Or would I rather, you know, would I rather just wallow in my self-pity? No one's got the problems I got. Oh, woe's me. You know, Eeyore in the, the Disney movies. Always looking at the worst, the cloud following around. Or, or will I let Jesus help me through? Truly lean on the creator of the universe. Now, Paul didn't say this easily. This is just a list. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and he's talking about this because he's trying to establish or reestablish his, his authority with the Corinthians and who he was and his credentials because they were being infiltrated by false teachers, people trying to lead them away. And Paul is saying, look at, look at what I've been through. And I'm not convinced that this is a full list. Hopefully you can see that better than I can, but look at that. I mean, five times with 39 lashes, three times beaten with rods, one time stoned, and left for dead. They, they were convinced he was dead. They didn't just stone him as if that wasn't bad enough. 
And they, they were convinced he was dead, and they drug him out of the city and left him that way. Three times shipwrecked, a day and night in the open sea, constantly on the move. Danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from fellow Jews, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger from unbelievers, no sleep, hungry, thirsty, cold, naked, and not on top of all that, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about the churches and the people that I've taught and known and grown to love. So when I'm inclined to feel sorry for myself about some grave injustice like no lobster on the island, or I'm not being heard, I told you the one thing, or I'm not getting my way, or that life is just bad, truly bad. I, I remember Paul. I remember his words about leaning on Jesus, but I remember the things that he went through and that he truly was able to be content. Paul had the attitude that nothing matters. I've been redeemed. And there's nothing else that can take that joy away from me. Under any of the circumstances we just looked at. Paul would probably laugh at my challenge with lobster. Oh, you poor baby. I've been redeemed. And that's a starting place when you count your blessings. I'll leave you with this. If you're struggling, drop the shovel. Just let it go. Stop. Look to Jesus. Look at the light. I'm convinced that he'll place someone in your life or something that will help you Start the journey back. Count your blessings. Look around. I don't care under any circumstance. Again, the one thing that we have is that salvation. No matter what else is missing, that can't be taken from us. By someone else, at least. And so we've got something to cling to under any circumstance. And praise God for those blessings. It's amazing what it does to your psyche in bad times. When you start to shift and look. And then just a little personal advice. Some of the, I've found very helpful is when I'm struggling, one of the best things I can do is to look for somebody that needs something and serve them. Get out of myself and look to serve someone else. And it's amazing what it does. It's amazing what it does. I'll leave you with that lesson. I appreciate your patience as we walk through this very basic, uh, like I say, what I call a spiritual discipline. But I think it's incredibly important. I would invite anyone that might be struggling Tonight, if you've 
been in a bad place and you would like to uh, come to a place of restoration, if you'd like some help uh, climbing back out of that well, that hole that you've dug, then I would encourage you to come forward and ask prayers tonight. If you have not responded to the gospel, if you don't have that salvation and that one thing that you can always lean on, that I would urge you to also come forward and to claim Jesus as your Savior, to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins.